0: Chapter nine of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter nine. The Vicar's Return. The next morning Mr. Robarts took leave of all his grand friends with a heavy heart. He had lain awake half the night thinking of what he had done and trying to reconcile himself to his position he had not well left mr sowerby's room before he felt certain that at the end of three months he would again be troubled about that four hundred pounds as he went along the passage all the man's known antecedents crowded upon him much quicker than he could remember them when seated in that armchair with the bill-stamp before him and the pen and ink ready to his hand he remembered what lord lufton had told him how he had complained of having been left in the lurch he thought of all the stories current through the entire county as to the impossibility of getting money from caldicots he brought to mind the known character of the man and then he knew that he must prepare himself to make good a portion at least of that heavy payment why had he come to this horrid place had he not everything at home at framley which the heart of man could desire no the heart of man can desire deaneries the heart that is of the man vicar and the heart of the man dean can desire bishoprics and before the eyes of the man bishop does there not loom the transcendental glory of lambeth he had owned to himself that he was ambitious but he had to own to himself now also that he had hitherto taken but a sorry path towards the object of his ambition on the next morning at breakfast-time before his horse and gig arrived for him no one was so bright as his friend sowerby so you are off are you said he yes i shall go this morning say everything that's kind from me to lufton i may possibly see him out hunting otherwise we shan't meet till the spring as to my going to framley that's out of the question her ladyship would look for my tail and swear that she smelt brimstone bye bye old fellow the german student when he first made his bargain with the devil felt an indescribable attraction to his new friend and such was the case now with robarts he shook sowerby's hand very warmly said that he hoped he should meet him soon somewhere and professed himself specially anxious to hear how that affair with the lady came off as he had made his bargain as he had undertaken to pay nearly half a year's income for his dear friend ought he not to have as much value as possible for his money if the dear friendship of this flash member of parliament did not represent that value what else did do so but then he felt or fancied that he felt that mr sowerby did not care for him so much this morning as he had done on the previous evening bye bye said mr sowerby but he spoke no word as to such future meetings nor did he even promise to write mr sowerby probably had many things on his mind and it might be that it behoved him having finished one piece of business immediately to look to another the sum for which robarts had made himself responsible which he so much feared that he would be called upon to pay was very nearly half a year's income and as yet he had not put by one shilling since he had been married When he found himself settled in his parsonage, he found also that all the world regarded him as a rich man. He had taken the dictum of all the world as true, and had set himself to work to live comfortably. He had no absolute need of a curate, but he could afford the seventy pounds, as Lady Lufton had said, rather injudiciously. And by keeping Jones in the parish he would be acting charitably to a brother clergyman and would also place himself in a more independent position lady lufton had wished to see her pet clergyman well to do and comfortable but now as matters had turned out she much regretted this affair of the curate mr jones she said to herself more than once must be made to depart from framley he had given his wife a pony-carriage and for himself he had a saddle-horse and a second horse for his gig a man in his position well to do as he was required as much as that he had a footman also and a gardener and a groom the two latter were absolutely necessary but about the former there had been a question his wife had been decidedly hostile to the footman but in all such matters as that to doubt is to be lost when the footman had been discussed for a week it became quite clear to the master that he also was a necessary as he drove home that morning he pronounced to himself the doom of that footman and the doom also of that saddle-horse they at any rate should go and then he would spend no more money in trips to scotland and above all he would keep out of the bedrooms of impoverished members of parliament at the witching hour of midnight such resolves did he make to himself as he drove home and bethought himself wearily how that four hundred pounds might be made to be forthcoming as to any assistance in the matter from sowerby of that he gave himself no promise But he almost felt himself happy again as his wife came out into the porch to meet him with a silk shawl over her head and pretending to shiver as she watched him descending from his gig. My dear old man, she said as she led him into the warm drawing-room with all his wrappings still about him, you must be starved. But Mark during the whole drive had been thinking too much of that transaction in Mr Sowerby's bedroom, To remember that the air was cold now he had his arm round his own dear fanny's waist but was he to tell her of that transaction at any rate he would not do it now while his two boys were in his arms rubbing the moisture from his whiskers with their kisses after all what is there equal to that coming home and so lufton is here i say frank gently old boy frank was his eldest son you'll have baby into the fender let me take baby it's impossible to hold the two of them they are so strong said the proud mother oh yes he came home early yesterday have you seen him he was here yesterday with her ladyship and i lunched there to-day the letter came you know in time to stop the merediths they don't go till to-morrow so you will meet them after all sir george is wild about it but lady lufton would have her way you never saw her in such a state as she is good spirits eh i should think so all lord lufton's horses are coming and he is to be here till march till march so her ladyship whispered to me she could not conceal her triumph at his coming he is going to give up leicestershire this year altogether i wonder what has brought it all about mark knew very well what had brought it about he had been made acquainted as the reader has also with the price at which lady lufton had purchased her son's visit but no one had told mrs robarts that the mother had made her son a present of five thousand pounds she's in a good humour about everything now continued fanny so you need say nothing at all about gatherum castle but she was very angry when she first heard it was she not well mark to tell the truth she was and we had quite a scene there up in her own room upstairs justinia and i she had heard something else that she did not like at the same time and then but you know her way she blazed up quite hot and said all manner of horrid things about me about the duke she did you know she never did like the duke and for the matter of that neither do i I tell you that fairly master mark the duke is not so bad as he's painted ah that's what you say about another great person however he won't come here to trouble us i suppose and then i left her not in the best temper in the world for i blazed up too you must know i am sure you did said mark pressing his arm round her waist and then we were going to have a dreadful war i thought and i came home and wrote such a doleful letter to you but what should happen when i had just closed it but in came her ladyship all alone and but i can't tell you what she did or said only she behaved beautifully just like herself too so full of love and truth and honesty there's nobody like her mark and she's better than all the dukes that ever wore whatever dukes do wear horns and hooves that's their usual apparel according to you and lady lufton said he remembering what mr sowerby had said of himself you may say what you like about me mark but you shan't abuse lady lufton and if horns and hoofs mean wickedness and dissipation i believe it's not far wrong but get off your big coat and make yourself comfortable and that was all the scolding that mark Robarts got from his wife on the occasion of his great iniquity i will certainly tell her about this bill transaction he said to himself but not to-day not till after i have seen lufton that evening they dined at framley court and there they met the young lord they found also lady lufton still in high good humour lord lufton himself was a fine bright-looking young man, not so tall as Mark Robart's, and with perhaps less intelligence marked on his face, but his features were finer, and there was in his countenance a thorough appearance of good humour and sweet temper. It was indeed a pleasant face to look upon, and dearly Lady Lufton loved to gaze at it. Well, Mark, so you have been among the Philistines. That was his lordship's first remark robarts laughed as he took his friend's hands and bethought himself how truly that was the case that he was in very truth already himself in bonds under philistian yoke alas alas it is very hard to break asunder the bonds of the latter-day philistines when a samson does now and then pull a temple down about their ears is he not sure to be engulfed in the ruin with them there is no horse-leech that sticks so fast as your latter-day philistine.' "'So you have caught Sir George after all,' said Lady Lufton. And that was nearly all she did say, in allusion to his absence. There was afterwards some conversation about the lecture, and from her ladyship's remarks, "'It certainly was apparent that she did not like the people among whom the vicar had been lately staying.' but she said no word that was personal to him himself or that could be taken as a reproach the little episode of mrs proudie's address in the lecture-room had already reached framley and it was only to be expected that lady lufton should enjoy the joke she would affect to believe that the body of the lecture had been given by the bishop's wife and afterwards when mark described her costume at that sunday morning breakfast-table lady lufton would assume that such had been the dress in which she had exercised her faculties in public i would have given a five-pound note to have heard it said sir george so would not i said lady lufton when one hears of such things described so graphically as mr robarts now tells it one can hardly help laughing but it would give me great pain to see the wife of one of our bishops place herself in such a situation for he is a bishop after all well upon my word my lady i agree with meredith said lord lufton it must have been good fun as it did happen you know as the church was doomed to the disgrace i should like to have heard it i know you would have been shocked ludovic i should have got over that in time mother it would have been like a bull-fight i suppose horrible to see no doubt but extremely interesting and harold smith mark what did he do all the while it didn't take so very long you know said robarts and the poor bishop said lady meredith how did he look i really do pity him well he was asleep i think What? slept through it all said sir george it awakened him and then he jumped up and said something what out loud too only one word or so what a disgraceful scene said lady lufton to those who remember the good old man who was in the diocese before him it is perfectly shocking he confirmed you ludovic and you ought to remember him it was over at barchester and you went and lunched with him afterwards i do remember and especially this that i never ate such tarts in my life before or since the old man particularly called my attention to them and seemed remarkably pleased that i concurred in his sentiments there are no such tarts as those going in the palace now i'll be bound mrs proudie will be very happy to do her best for you if you will go and try said sir george I beg that he will do no such thing said lady lufton and that was the only severe word she said about any of mark's visitings as sir george meredith was there robarts could say nothing then to lord lufton about mr sowerby and mr sowerby's money affairs but he did make an appointment for a -a tete-a-tete on the next morning you must come down and see my nags mark they came to-day "'The Merediths will be off at twelve, and then we can have an hour together.' Mark said he would, and then went home with his wife under his arm. "'Well, now, is not she kind?' said Fanny, as soon as they were out on the gravel together. "'She is kind—kinder than I can tell you just at present. But did you ever know anything so bitter as she is to the poor bishop? And really the bishop is not so bad.' "'Yes.' i know something much more bitter and that is what she thinks of the bishop's wife and you know mark it was so unladylike her getting up in that way what must the people of barchester think of her as far as i could see the people of barchester liked it nonsense mark they could not but never mind that now i want you to own that she is good and then mrs Robarts went on with another long eulogy on the dowager since that affair of the pardon begging at the parsonage mrs Robarts hardly knew how to think well enough of her friend and the evening had been so pleasant after the dreadful storm and threatenings of hurricanes her husband had been so well received after his lapse of judgment the wounds that had looked so sore had been so thoroughly healed and everything was so pleasant how all of this would have been changed had she known of that little bill at twelve the next morning the lord and the vicar were walking through the framley stables together quite a commotion had been made there for the larger portion of these buildings had of late years seldom been used but now all was crowding and activity seven or eight very precious animals had followed lord lufton from leicestershire and all of them required dimensions that were thought to be rather excessive by the framley old-fashioned groom my lord however had a headman of his own who took the matter quite into his own hands mark priest as he was was quite worldly enough to be fond of a good horse and for some little time allowed lord lufton to descant on the merit of this four-year-old filly and that magnificent rattlebones colt out of a mouse-trap mare but he had other things that lay heavy on his mind and after bestowing half an hour on the stud he contrived to get his friend away to the shrubbery walks so you have settled with sowerby robarts began by saying settled with him yes but do you know the price I believe that you have paid five thousand pounds yes and about three before and that in a matter in which i did not really owe one shilling whatever i do in future i'll keep out of sowerby's grip but you don't think he has been unfair to you mark to tell you the truth i have banished the affair from my mind and don't wish to take it up again my mother has paid the money to save the property and of course i must pay her back but i think i may promise that i will not have any more money-deanings with sowerby i will not say that he is dishonest but at any rate he is sharp well lufton what will you say when i tell you that i have put my name to a bill for him for four hundred pounds say why i should say but you're joking a man in your position would never do such a thing but i have done it lord lufton gave a long low whistle he asked me the last night that i was there making a great favour of it and declaring that no bill of his had ever yet been dishonoured lord lufton whistled again no bill of his dishonoured why the pocket-books of the jews are stuffed full of his dishonoured papers and you have really given him your name for four hundred pounds i have certainly at what date three months and have you thought where you are to get the money i know very well that i can't get it not at least by that time the bankers must renew it for me and i must pay it by degrees that is if sowerby really does not take it up it is just as likely that he will take up the national debt robarts then told him about the projected marriage with miss dunstable giving it as his opinion that the lady would probably accept the gentleman not at all improbable said his lordship for sowerby is an agreeable fellow and if it be so he will have all that he wants for life but his creditors will gain nothing the duke who has his title-deeds will doubtless get his money and the estate will in fact belong to the wife but the small fry such as you will not get a shilling poor mark he had had an inkling of this before but it had hardly presented itself to him in such certain terms it was then a positive fact that in punishment for his weakness in having signed that bill he would have to pay not only four hundred pounds but four hundred pounds with interest and expenses of renewal, and commission, and bill-stamps. Yes, he had certainly got among the Philistines during that visit of his to the Duke. It began to appear to him pretty clearly that it would have been better for him to have relinquished altogether the glories of Caldicots and Gatherum Castle. And now, how was he to tell his wife? End of chapter 9 Recording by Nick Whitley Purdy, United Kingdom